0: Hi, I'm Andrew Dubber. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF podcast. If you're anything like me, and you've been giving thought recently to revamping your wardrobe and updating your style, perhaps all that jacket, hat, or dress really needs is more processing power, proximity sensors, a smoke machine, and some robotic spider legs. Enter Anouk Viprecht, Dutch fashion tech designer. Anouk creates tech-enhanced designs that bring together fashion and technology that tend towards a kind of artificial intelligence where the wearer of the garment is the host system and the designs move, breathe, and react to the environment around them. And sometimes... If you get too close, they attack. She's created incredible and often astonishing fashion tech designs for campaigns by brands and media figures like Audi, Swarovski, Google, Microsoft, Cirque du Soleil, Disney, the Super Bowl and Black Eyed Peas. But they're not all just for looks or to make a statement. Sometimes her work changes our understanding of disability of neurological conditions, of open-source product creation, and of our understanding of social and cultural space. And Anouk was key to MTF Berlin's iconic headlining of figurehead Victoria Modesta and the springboard into the body and performance labs of 2016. From her lockdown lab in her home in Florida, this is the brilliant Anouk Enjoy. Anuk Viprik, thanks so much for joining us for the MTF podcast today.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: You've been involved in a lot of Music Tech Fest projects and uh, very connected, particularly through uh, Victoria Modesta. But uh, it's great to actually have you uh, as part of the MTF conversation.
1: Yeah, correct. And thank you for doing this. Like uh, a lot of people are, like, uh, yeah, interested in how things go co uh, digital and all of that stuff. So it's nice to spark these uh, these discussions and conversations. I think
0: fantastic. So you're essentially all about wearable technologies, but fashionable wearable technologies. You want to talk a little bit about what you do, so people get a picture of that.
1: Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm a Dutch designer. I live in um, in the United States in Florida uh, at the moment. And um, I create something called um, yeah robotic couture, So uh, or you can call it fashion tech. I'm a fashion tech designer. And I create uh, things on the body that have to do with um, electronics and robotics and all that kind of stuff. So um, a few of my famous dresses are the, the spider dress, which has uh, robotic limbs on the shoulders. And when you come into the personal space, the dress is literally literally attacking because it has these uh, mechanic uh, yeah, legs on the shoulders that are really getting uh, there to uh, to haunt you, sort of, you know. Um, so it works with proximity sensors. Um, so I do a lot with uh, proximity sensors and the, the, the notion of personal space. If and when people come into your personal space, how can uh, your dress react or... The garment that you're wearing uh, reacts to also in a smoke dress, a sensoric smoke dress, uh, which is based on sensors. The more people are in the direct surroundings of this dress, the more smoke it evades. Uh, so that, um, that's, an, yeah, that's another of my, of my dresses. So I have many dresses. I have over 60 dresses at the moment and they all do something different.
0: Right. So they all have like a, a function that happens. Is it all about proximity or are there other things that will trigger these sorts of things?
1: uh it's not all about proximity I also have uh, dresses based on uh body sensors so I'm working with uh, body signals uh you can think of EEG so that's the um, um, electrical activity of the brain so brain signals uh, so that's more placed on the head Uh, you can think of EMG which is muscle contraction so the contraction that we have in our muscles when you when you uh, spend them sort of you know um heart rate volume and um yeah sort of variability so the heart rate what uh what kind of things you can detect from that um Uh, long volume uh, respiration so uh, you can uh, find like levels of stress for example is interesting I think uh, to do things with so um, I work a lot through that with um, yeah certain emotions that we have that might be um, anxiety or uh, like stress levels and all of that stuff and I try to detect that and I try to do do uh, yeah sort of poetic things with that uh, regarding to these uh, these designs and these garments that I make. Why? Um, I think it's it's uh, interesting the conversation on uh, technology and technology and electronics on the body. So um, the question is like if and when we put uh, technology on the body, like what does it do? And beyond like just blinking and bleeping, like what can it do for us? Like what kind of uh, intelligence can it bring, or what kind of um, yeah stories can it narrate? Sort of you know uh, when things are connected to uh, to uh, to our bodies, and I think that's just uh, really interesting. And I tend to connect that to other things like uh, like fashion and sort of architecture on the body and and all of that stuff and yeah that's just my it's my interest.
0: (laughs) It seems like there's a really playful approach to a lot of this stuff Uh, you know spider dress and uh, you know the the cocktail dress one I think a lot of people sort of really enjoy the idea of a dress that actually makes cocktails (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a kind of a humor in that and a playfulness but a lot of what you do has a really kind of serious message or at least uh, you're thinking about this uh, something seriously. Is that sort of the idea you're trying to make an artistic statement by kind of playing with people's perceptions?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think we as artists or we as designers or engineers or architects, like we are there to to create uh, not only like pretty things, but also maybe statemental things, you know. And uh, yeah, part of that, what I do um, has that fusion of uh, the, the practical, uh, the notion of like the sensitivity um the notion of um, having technology maybe not necessarily be invasive or be invasive, you know. So it's a lot of that as an artist, I guess, from the artist point of view that you can play with that. Um, and I think when that com- uh, combines, then it really does something, you know. Um, um, if I can make a design that that really does something to, uh, to, to create or enforce a statement, um, I think that is a lot what, what art in specific is about.
0: I'm kind of curious how this started because you've got sort of two parallel themes. One is about fashion and an interest in fashion and fashion design and one is about robotics. Did those things start for you at the same time at the same age or did one come later? How did this come about?
1: Yeah, um, well, I'm from um, Amsterdam, from the Netherlands, and and one of the cool things there is you can start education fairly early. So I started when I was 14 years old with uh, fashion couture tailoring. Uh, So like fairly heavy, like understanding couture, understanding how to construct things around the body because construction is important for me, also in my later life, more architectural, more engineering style, sort of. Uh, I had no idea back in that time, sort of, you know, I just wanted to create uh, fashion. Um, I think I got, um, especially, a lot in in uh, in us growing up in europe we see things from sometimes especially from america mtv and all of that stuff and on all these clips and um, i think what i what i started to realize is the connection between fashion and self expression sort of you know and i find that really interesting like growing up with people uh, trying to express and communicate and creating statements in in clips uh, in uh, early mtv times in the beginning of 2000 and and before that of course in the 90s so i think like i connected fashion from that point of view very early Early on to, to that kind of uh, narrative of expression. So I started to uh, get into... Um to fashion myself when I was 14 years old. Uh, when I was about 16 years old um, or 15, um, I, I was against the, the notion of only creating uh, fashion as being analog. And also my uh, my interest in, in robotics and electronics was rising. Uh, so that was the time that I started to combine it because I started to understand this analog piece of garment that I was creating was cool. It looked cool and I looked super badass and I was doing a lot with like kind of funky patterns and all of that stuff. But that was it sort of, you know, it needed something it needed like a brain it needed uh yeah something so um, I started also, I was, I was heavily involved with computers and uh, then I started to uh, combine computers to the body so in, in the beginning my dresses looked from the from the front they looked maybe really nice but in the beginning of 2000 there was no like small platform you know so you turned around and there was like brah this big computer <laughs> on the back of the model you know so it was it was a really funny time in where technology was not as small yet you know so um, so that was kind of uh, yeah an, an, a funny thing of building really big backpacks with computers in there, sort of. And then in um, 2004, 2005, Arduino came... In from uh, Italy and um, in uh, in Sweden, in Malmö uh, uh, David Guartiles went uh, to do uh, start to do workshops and they started to spread this platform and I think Arduino was really interesting for me for that time, especially because of the form factor it was something that I could use a mini computer that I could use that was way smaller than the computers the, the towers that I was building on the body at that time, uh, so it basically seeped all together, so I think like especially you always need to keep your eyes out for the things, you need to see what you're interested and then once that gets combined then it's just igniting you know so that was for me the point that uh, yeah the computer and the fashion and the body that that's all came together and that's just a whirlwind of of all kinds of things that were going on at that time you know and and just the excitement for computers and excitement for for electronics from the yeah for, for me from the 90s on sort of you know um so that that's that's created all the yeah sort of that that place of uh yeah I mean no
0: right Let, let's go back even earlier were you super outgoing and expressive as a child you know making costumes dressing up putting on performances that sort of thing
1: uh, no I was really really shy I was really um, I was fairly timid Um <sighs> I think I was I was very much like a loner um, so I, I was what I know is like I was uh, often like observing a lot of things you know I was more the quiet kind um, I think like later in life I learned to talk about things I learned to uh, be on a stage and all of that stuff and do my thing but that that was not uh, for me it, I was a very nerdy child sort of I was a lot busy with um, with animals with nature I grew up in Beemster, which is uh, in the Netherlands it's a it's a small place with nine nine thousand people and uh, Beamster is the first reclaimed land so a part of the Netherlands was water before and we created land in order to live on it and Beamster was that first experiment of water engineers trying to create land in what we call the polder so um, there's a lot of like mechanic structures in where I'm from and I think that's what uh, partially what my fascination for uh, robotics in a later life came from because uh, without these machines and the water engineers we, we would not have survived sort of you know so that's the kind of you uh, yeah, that's my my special place there in the Netherlands, and uh, it's, an, it's a it's really it's 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 a really like yeah small uh, small little town near, near to Amsterdam where later on I went uh, to study. But I think uh, yeah, being there, being in nature with the cows and the sheep and all of that stuff, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Like um, I think we we have a perception in Europe about about animals and all of that stuff, and uh, how we have like symbiotic relationship with it, um, and. Yeah, yeah that's that's where I ca- I came from I was not super expressive and I think that that triggered that notion of like hey that's interesting that these other group of people are there are really out there to express you know so um, and even with my designs I will always be the one behind this behind the, the, the screen not really the one like super out there sort of you know so for me it's really the research and the investigation and uh, creating these little dialogues and narratives um, yeah with with the things that I do
0: right. And the things that you make are not just sort of mechanical and functional. They're incredibly glamorous as well. Is that kind Mm. of about who you are or what you want to put out into the world?
1: Um, I think I have a certain style sort of um, and I think I work with that like whether if you have the, the spider dress is there to um, attack right the, the function is to attack if somebody invades the personal space I think from the design and the architectural point of view that design needs to be really out there so you see a, a really sharp feline a lot of is happening in the in the shoulders uh, in the 80s for example the women had the power shoulders you know and that that's an um, a sign of power you know uh, in in fashion and and, and has it has Stayed like that for a long time, so um, I play a lot with with that notion in uh, in the spider dress. Then, if you see my smoke dress, is um, uh, a little bit more an, a more elegant, a more organic pear-shaped kind of design. So it's much more friendly. So basically, I use um, sort of the notion of architecture and design and, and working on that. Um, To, um, yeah, to help translate these designs. So the smoke dress is much more friendly when you walk up to it, but the interaction is also much more friendly. And I think that is, um, if you go back to, uh, yeah, the thing that I come from, from interaction design, uh, what we're looking at, you know, how can you perceive in a multitude of ways from the sensoric part, from the visual part, from the, like, all these, all these things of how we perceive other things, you know, um, how can you all make it work? Because um, if the smoke dress would have been more alpha, you know, an alpha design like the spider dress, it would have not worked the, the exact same way. So I think uh, design is there often um, as, yeah, of course, the, the visual aspect and, and uh, creating that notion. So some of the designs are more shy, some of the designs are more out there. So they all have their own different kind of personality almost.
0: When I've seen you talk about the spider dress, uh, you talk about space and you talk about four different kinds of space. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell me a little bit about how you think about that? Because I think that seems to be a really uh, useful key to understanding things like proximity in clothing.
1: Um, Yeah, so we all have these spaces around us. Um, It's the intimate space, the personal space, the social and the public space. And these spaces are around us in different uh, measures. Um, and that can be emotional, that can be culturally, that can be uh, yeah, personally. Uh, these spaces differ a little bit, but we all have them around us in different measurements. And this uh, theory of proxemics comes from Edward T. Hall, that in uh, the 60s, he created this book called The Hidden Dimension. And in the book, he's describing the notion of proxemics theory, because he was a gentleman that was traveling around the world. And he started to see that different people had different uh, spaces towards each other, the, the way they talked and the way they uh, socialized and all of that stuff. And he found that interesting. And and I think that goes a little bit to my notion of me being a child, observing other people and how things work and how things work. How people explain themselves, so I feel really attracted to that theory, sort of, you know. And uh, the funny thing that how he was measuring that that was the '60s. There was no digital means, you know. There were there were no badass sensors. Mm. Uh, he used a stick, and he was uh, measuring the people uh, using this stick how far they were uh, from each other while socializing, you know. Um, and I found it, I found it just so interesting. Um, and a lot of what we what we have and what we talk about regarding to fashion is about this notion of these spaces around us. I started to connect that, I think, in like 2006, 2007, and I started to uh, recreate that notion of his proximity theory and he measuring this with a stick. And me taking this data, because the, like the, the proximity sensors came into, uh, into, uh, uh, into place back then, sort of, you know, and, and Arduino and all of that stuff. So I was like, hey, that's interesting. I can go back to this uh, proximic theory and I can actually use proximity sensors in, in order to take these measurements, but take these measurements uh, digitally, you know. Uh, so from his analog way of uh, measuring these people, I, I could do that digitally. So I'm using uh, proximity sensors. I'm using ultrasonic rangefinders. And I'm also uh, currently in a, in a new project. I'm using thermal sensors as well uh to not only uh measure the people where they are in the space also how fast they walk towards me i can measure i can also measure how many people there are in the space um so almost give them a face in a non-invasive way i can also do this using cameras but i i sometimes don't want to use cameras because it's a little bit more invasive and i i i i want to i like to uh look creatively around that notion sometimes uh, but yeah, this, this notion of the proximity series, yeah, I think really important for us to, to understand spaces from an architectural point of view an architect building a building or creating a space to, uh, to me working uh, with fashion on the body sort of, you know, and, and trying to uh, create interactions based on these uh, spaces.
0: Mm. You're talking about uh, different ways of censoring, you know, what's coming, who's going past, uh, you know, how close people are coming. It seems a little bit like this idea of collision detection in driverless vehicles. (laughs) And given the situation we're in at the moment uh, where people are wanting to sort of track social distancing and how far away people are from each other, is this something that you think could be more than just a kind of a fashion statement uh, piece, but uh, but like a, uh, you know, a mass produced, um, you know, piece of clothing that people could have that uh, would detect where people are around them and so on.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Like uh, I think this, yeah, this this uh, this whole thing became like super, super relevant, of course, in, in our times of like social distancing. Um, it's an interesting way, sort of like me myself, I caught, I uh, mean, I'm in, I'm in uh, Florida here and, and we, uh, the people here don't, don't really take uh, it super serious. So there's not too much social distancing going on here since uh, since a long time, sort of. And I caught myself a little bit annoyed with that sort of people getting too close in the park. Like we were just like uh, in landscape or biking or walking there, you know, um. So I created a new project called Proximity Dress. So it's basically a dress for myself that I created with um, mechanics in the in the hips and they expand when people come into my personal space. So really uh, the notion of the spider dress and really setting this uh, this notion of a personal boundary um, again. And I think it's um, even for people like, oh, what's going on there? Sort of, you know, it's like, yeah, you're too close. Um, it can also be an, an even an opener for people that might be a little bit more shy about it. Like, hey, you're too close, even uh-huh. uh, with people uh and the funny other thing that happened was that my friends all know me and when they meet me they stand on that like oh is this like six feet, feet away from you i'm like yeah yeah it's 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 okay you don't even have to do it too uh, too strict but they they would be like yeah 10 feet away so that's kind of another funny like personal uh thing that happened so yeah i proved my point and it, it ha- helps me also conserve that uh, notion of of personal space you know interesting because i think like social distancing i think that the the main reason or the main problem with it is that we sometimes forget you know it's it's not always on purpose that we that we might not do it like we all know how much around like six feet is in the beginning maybe some people didn't know and but we we there, there's enough media about it that we know now sort of you know uh, one and a half meter uh, but sometimes you just forget or sometimes you're like oh let me look at that or you're signing a thing or like whatever and you come you come closer so sure. it's it's yeah for me especially like yeah again like super interesting uh, to think of that notion of these measures and all of that stuff
0: is anybody doing anything with masks from a tech perspective that you know of?
1: Um, I mean, there's a lot of the, the whole open source uh, community and everybody basically that was owning a an, an private 3D printer. Yeah, a lot of people have like 3D printers and sometimes for fun, you know, and all of that stuff. But like a lot of people have them, you know, and now it was a reason to be like, okay, I have this thing, I can make stuff, like let's do it. And this whole sort of generation of like all these makers and, and thinkers and engineers and all of that stuff uh, stepped in and started to um, uh, create uh, masks and face shields and all of that stuff in a time that the, the, yeah, the, the hospitals were running out. And uh, that, that just gave me so much joy and uh, like, yeah, so much love for this whole notion of just, hey, we can help here. You know, sort of that engineering minds really came out, whether that was somebody that is a cook or that is an, uh, a teacher or like whoever you were, you could help here, you know you could help by, uh, by uh, yeah, sitting inside. There's not necessarily like a war or we, we don't have to go to out to war. There were a few things that we could do, uh, stay inside or like um, uh, have this notion of like um, social measures sort of, you know, and also help out where things were getting scarce. And I think that was a, like a really nice, uh, yeah, sort of movement what came uh, with regards to, to all these people, like utilizing their printers in order to help out the hospitals and... And so all of that stuff, that, that gave me a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of heart warmth. I don't know how you, how you say that, but yeah.
0: I get exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about Agent Unicorn. I, I mean, I get why it's called Unicorn, because it looks like a horn from a unicorn on the head. Why Agent
1: uh, Agent Unicorn, yeah, it is. Um, some, some, sometimes we talk about technology as, um, as sort of agency and uh, having agency over you, uh, you having agency over, um, over the device, sort of. In in the end, like I like to think of the symbiotic notion of uh, both sharing that agency, sort of, you know. So the the product is called uh, Agent Unicorn, and it's a product based on EEG, uh, which is uh, brain signals. Uh, the product is created for uh, European Commission and Ars Electronica. Other than me working with a dress on a model, uh, I wanted to work with a more practical device. So in this uh, case, I picked uh, kids with ADHD. So kids that are um, a little bit more excited for the world than other people might be. And um, yeah, uh, we tend to call it a sort of problem, um, which I think gets solved by medication at the moment a lot, by young children, uh, parents giving kids with ADHD, um, like medication. And I think that numbs them down a lot, sort of. And I think also when you give a young child medication, um, it does a lot with their personality, sort of, you know so I was a little bit against that and I wanted to create instead a device that would be able to measure their brain signals and uh, to help them out so there's a little camera inside the unicorn horn so the unicorn horn is not only there to be cute but also to be uh, practical and uh, whenever their attention level rises goes up so uh, they are in a high focus state uh, the camera goes on and it's recording whatever happens around them and what I wanted to show back to them sort of is that uh, kids with ADHD tend to catch just a little bit more excited for the world than their uh, counterparts that might not have it. Sort of, you know, I mean, all kids uh, should be there to be themselves in a way. Uh, yeah, so for me, this is to have kids work with this sort of data and data from them, their head themselves. So basically the horn is whenever their, their state of focus goes up, it's recording whatever happens around them. So it is for me to go back to them and to show them whatever information the camera took sort of and show them. And the kids are really interested in, in data, especially coming from themselves. They like to see the the little waves and all of that stuff. So it it became a really interesting sort of like semi-research, semi... Uh, yeah, very practical um, uh, project uh, that uh, that had this link to the medical world, and that solved this riddle of, okay, maybe instead of having synthetic medication, having another device that might be able to help, or what can we think of instead of using medication, what kind of BCI, so brain computer interfaces, or other kind of devices can we create that might be a more uh, healthier opponent, because it works with technology in a in a certain way, um, and might be able to to uh, solve some of these uh, these riddles or awareness or um, I think about things of mindfulness and all of that stuff. So that product is really uh, first of all, yeah, created as basically uh, a little bit of a statement against the um, the, the the medicine industry and also uh, to create a little bit of a solution of a of a fun and excited and and technological kind. Mm.
0: Because you mentioned mindfulness and uh, measuring stress, I guess, is another uh, key use of something like EEG, mm-hmm. not just sort of uh, switching a switch on so that a camera will record. Can you do a sort of a feedback thing where somebody's uh, stress can be reduced by wearing, I don't know, whether it's a, a unicorn horn or a hat or a you know, set of shoulder <laughs> pads or whatever it might be. Yeah. But uh, is, is that the idea?
1: yeah uh well there's two things going to that because the notion of uh, measuring stress uh when we hear that we're stressed we get more stressed about the fact that we're hearing that we're stressed right sure. so it's yeah. a it's a psychological thing as well so that's always a, a funny thing that i always um uh yeah play around with sort of you know uh because at one one hand it's like there can be this red button that goes off when you're stressed but like hey is that helping like no <laughs> uh so what is there like um uh, one interesting thing is like the sense of touch um, and we were recently uh, listening to another uh, podcast uh, actually about um, yeah the sort of the sense of touch and uh, like loneliness in times of uh, covid 19 especially to do with like elderly people and um, I think that 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 notion is really interesting so what can you do instead of like maybe visually overwhelming with this red button like burr, 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 you're stressed uh, how can you create things with uh, tactility with physical feedback with little pSO buttons, kind of things on your muscle areas and all of that stuff. So there's also a lot of like sort of, uh, yeah, more calming technologies that you can use in that fact, which I think is, is super interesting to explore yeah, Agent Unicorn is yeah less about stress reducing, but more about making the kids aware that everything and everything around them has an effect on them, sort of, you know. So the more they see that this camera flicks on and flicks off and all of that stuff, the more they understand like, okay, this is how my brain works. So um, it is basically a BCI to make them understand how their own uh, brain works and functions. And the interesting thing is, if you know how it works and how it functions, you also can do things against that. And that goes into the notion of like, yeah mindfulness and and yeah keeping yourself quiet by by other means sort of you know so that's a little bit of point that yeah that investigates that
0: Mm. because it does seem like most of the tech most of the tech that i carry around with me or or that i use on a day-to-day basis seems designed to contribute to stress rather than (laughs) relieve it was that just a bad design choice or why are our technologies mostly stressful
1: Yeah, I always uh, say that technology came into our lives to help us, but uh, does it really? Uh, So often technology is here to overwhelm us instead. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, some of these devices, uh, we have been, okay, great, that's a device. But is it listening to our bodies? Like, no, you know. So that is the next generation of devices that I would want. Like if my telephone knows that I'm stressed. I mean please don't block my uh my <laughs> agenda points or meetings because that would be like oh hmm my whole schedule (laughs) that would
0: be even more stressful I know yeah Yeah. so
1: but what are like what are the ways that uh, that we can have our devices listen to us you know and I think the the listening to us is important here working with technology and working with technology on the body and once they do that you can create uh, more of this uh, yeah ping pong effect uh, between the the device and yourself you know Um, and also creating this uh, more level of intimacy in a way as well so I think that can be or that would be a really interesting thing, of course. There's a lot from the uh, the practical side. I always say, like, I as a developer, I like I love to work with uh, data, but with data also comes privacy, you know. So how much of that do you want to give uh, away in order to create this uh, symbiosis with technology, right? Mm-hmm. And how much of that uh, is is uh, yeah has a has a different agency of uh, like other people controlling that or doing evil stuff with that. So this is why I personally really like the uh, the maker movement and the do it yourself movement, and especially people making the. Fi- for themselves, which I also do, you know, uh, because I make it myself, I program it myself, it's my data, it's my circle of data, and um, I create it to maybe help myself or maybe to help somebody else also giving that agency over. So I really love the do-it-yourself and the open source movement because we are able to create devices for ourselves up to a certain point uh, that work with our own data, sort of, you know. So this is why I'm, I'm a really big supporter of, of both open source as the uh, the whole do it yourself movements
0: how does that work for a a fashion designer because I know that fashion is very much depending on um, you know ownership of the intellectual property of the designs Is, is there a point at which the the programming that you do is part of the open source community but the the fashion design part of it is is proprietary or is there some overlap of those things
1: I have like, I have some where I can, I try to put my products on like Hexter.io or like Instructables.com. Sometimes I I need to do it more. I I sometimes lack of time. (laughs) That's the other problem. Uh, But now, especially with COVID-19, I think uh, I should do that some more. But like, yeah, a lot what I can, I try to open source. Uh, what I always say, like sometimes you have things as whatever you're doing, sort of, and you have it just stuck in your computer. You know, why would you not just place it uh, somewhere? If if you might not do something with it, you might make somebody else happy with it. Mm. And I think that's that's a cool thing about like uh, like yeah, sort of the open source movement. So maybe it's not necessarily the thing that you work on, the the thing that I work on for for one of my companies or the brands that I that I'm involved with, uh, because that has their IP on it. But what is there that that you can uh, let go in the world that that might have an, an, a tale of their own, you know, uh, that that might be able to help uh, um, other people or inspire other people in, in doing so. And I think that's, that's what I love about uh, the, uh, the open source movement. Uh, when it comes to uh, other things regarding to IP and all of that stuff, um, it's a very old world. Uh, the, the, the companies, the big companies are, 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 are built in a certain way. And sometimes it's really hard to go into that culture of open source because, uh, yeah, some companies can be more uh, yeah, sort of greedy about that, about that, no- that notion of, uh, like, this is ours, this, that's yours. And that, that's, that's good because that is how they make their money and that's fine. But um, how can we all have that little thing? You know, I might develop a ring. I create a ring and I don't use it. I don't wear it uh, and it's not my color. Why don't I put it online for somebody else on a thingy first or something to use? And that becomes a wedding ring for a really special moment for somebody Mm. you know and that's the notion of like we all have stuff uh, that might be uh, like very useful to somebody else and also I think sometimes yeah working with companies that might be a nice thing for companies to do as well like what do you have in your little shoebox you know what what you don't use Uh, and uh, I think that realization comes more and more that that the companies want to be part of that movement because the movement becomes uh, stronger and stronger, and in the end, bigger companies also, yeah, want to be um, a part of that. The open source movement, uh, the do-it-yourself movement, the maker movement, but also music tech fest. You know, what 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 you guys are doing is amazing stuff, and um, and and it's all um, experimental until a certain uh, certain notion, but it's also a movement and a big movement and a movement that a lot of people um, support are, are super excited about. You know. I I hear so many people always talking about Music Tech Fest that changed their lives and it made them work with collaborations with music in in ways that they would never do uh, before or in any other kind or they saw this amazing artist that they never have access to only looking at them in concerts and now in this very experimental kind of, uh, environment or even collaborating with them. Um, and I think that is all what, what these sort of movements, if I, if I can call it that way sort of are doing from, uh, yeah, the, the, they're setting a trend and then at one point, yeah, um, that, that evolves, you know, uh, other, other people become part of that sort of tornado and that's, that's happening with, with companies as well. And I think, yeah, especially getting it back to the open source movement and all of that stuff, uh, Companies do need to open up a little bit more uh, to that kinds. Um, it's almost like an, um just a good doing, like an, a Robin Hood story or something like that. You know, uh, don't don't, yeah, don't always go for the money. Also go for the community.
0: Sure. Yeah, I mean the Robin Hood thing is a really nice. Analogy for it, because you are working with some really incredible brands and sort of large names, um, but taking these ideas not not stealing them and giving them to the poor, but but uh, open them out so that other people can use them. I think is a it's a really lovely idea. Mm -hmm. Should we talk a little bit about some of the companies and brands that you've worked with? I mean, there's there's a huge list here: Intel, Samsung, Philips, Google, Adidas, you know, Swarovski, Cirque du Soleil, you know, Disney. Do you want to? Is there a kind of a, a a theme to this do do people just randomly approach you out of the blue do you have an agent how does it work
1: no, I don't have an agent. Uh, no, that it's it's funny that you ask. I always have a product, and then so I get another email like, "Hey Anouk, uh, we love your work. Um, we are uh, we are either having a, a piece of technology uh, we uh, that needs to... sometimes uh, it's like beta testing of technology. Sometimes it's making. Hey, do you feel inspired to make something out of this? Um, uh, so it's or, or we hey we are doing this show. Uh, we want you to be part of it. Um, I think the main thing is I do this for uh, like yeah twenty years out in the public Um, if you google fashion tech or future tech you see a lot of my dresses pop up and if they pop up like 10 times a brand is like okay who is this person you know and they give me a call so um, I think I I just have a lot of like yeah from from crazy ideas out there uh, going around um, especially like in the beginning of 2000 like uh, through uh, like the use of internet and all of that stuff And um, the other thing is, I think like uh, when I do productions, I do them pretty uh, fast and very like very fast and very deep, Uh, so I can I would be able to uh, to create productions, uh, and it's mainly me and maybe a friend of mine or a collaborator. It's not a big team. I don't have a super big team around uh, me. But um, uh, if I feel inspired, it's just like okay, this is how it would work. This is how it needs to look like, and all of these factors sort of I think is important uh, to create something. both rapidly for them, but also effectively and nice. So that all of us are proud of it. So it's always, okay, project starts, go in fast and go in deep. You know, because otherwise you you end up with something that is like blah, you know, and and blah. You don't want to have uh, not for your own portfolio, not for the client. Uh, so I think like I have a very practical mindset and a very like sort of this engineering mindset, but also an artistic mindset. So there's a lot of like mindsets that uh, that 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 uh, go about that sort of you know. I think being Dutch, I'm I'm very um, practical. Um, uh, so like definitely some of that character comes in there as well and that is a reliable factor for a company to work with me because uh, they know that whatever crazy idea comes out uh, like, a, like a new cat done sort of or it, it will uh, work w- out in, in, in some kind of crazy way so part is uh, having a big portfolio I'm showing a lot of like different things of course because I have a lot of like different projects I have a lot of different interests uh, yet there's like a fairly consistent line of like working with the body, working with technology and all of that stuff and then the second thing is like being able to do these uh, productions on certain time uh, scales because there's never an interesting project that comes in and they say, oh, you have two years for this. I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm, I've been waiting for 20 years now uh, and I would love to do that. Maybe not because I'm not used to it. It's, it's never that two year project like Anouk, you get this amount of money and you have two years to do it. It's always like. Okay, you have this amount of money, and you have two weeks. Go, <laughs> go, uh, go! Work on it, sort of. You know, but um, I love it, like because I love the adrenaline, and, and I'm like I, I love to do that. Because if a project takes too long, it might it might be uh, out of trends. It might be not having that innovation factor in there. Like um, the reason to do things quickly is you can take that moment of time, you can take that energy, that inspiration, and all put it together as if it's like a really bursting uh, bubble that you can. Uh, yeah, throw out sort of, you know, so so that's, that's yeah, that's that's a thing that I like and I, I definitely, like, a lot of yeah, people always ask me, like, how do you do that? How do you always get those brands? Like, I do not have an agency, uh, but people I think the main thing is people know how to find you if you show this work is a passion of you, like, it's your heart and soul that's being put in that and, and people see that when they look at certain projects from certain artists, you see that there's, there's, um, uh, energy, there's inspiration, there's pain, there's whatever is in there you can you can see that and you can feel that you know and I think that is that is what the people want. They want to have an uh, project that looks officially uh, enticing. They, uh, they want to have something that is smart, that has this level of innovation or, or whatever their their focus point is sort of you know. And a lot of that is visual, like, um, explains itself visual, of course, and, and my designs are very visual.
0: And I guess once you've got Audi and uh, Google and, and those sorts of names on your portfolio already, other names will follow. They'll, they'll see that as a as a very reassuring thing.
1: Uh, yeah, but uh, the other thing is, like, if you work uh, together with too many um, brands, uh, there might, might be competitors. So uh, uh, some, a lot of times people come up to me um, and you need to look that there's no kind of competitive nature. In there, of course, because mm. um, I don't want to be uh, uh, like brand ambassador of this thing. But then next week,
0: uh, somebody else entirely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. the contracts uh, get like yeah more complicated uh, with regards to that sort of you know. Um, so there's there's always there's always uh, uh, yeah give and give and take. Uh, sometimes I do uh, like yeah uh, things that are. That, that are out there sort of the projects that, that uh, come out some things are more research related so it's, it's always a different kind of request it's always uh, yeah different kind of projects yeah. sort
0: of. and some of those projects have been music projects you want to tell us a little bit about those
1: yeah well there's, there's music projects that I created for artists and then there's music projects that, that uh, really the technology is really involved in that and, and place the heroes sort of you know um, I did the Super Bowl in 2012 which was an, uh, a bigger thing because I was still in the Netherlands I was in Europe and uh, it was my first time in uh, America actually in LA uh, that I flew into so my my world opened I was like whoa what is going on here and especially like I think that was 2012 like a lot of uh, yeah things were going on in LA so I loved it so that's the reason that I'm still now a lot in America because um, yeah I I just love I I just love the vibe and this notion of like yeah anything uh, can be possible you can create such creative things such weird things and all of that stuff so 2012 was um, I got invited to do uh, the Super Bowl they asked me in the beginning to do them all uh, uh, all of the um, uh, the band members but I said at that time I specialized in women's clothing so what about if I take Fergie and we search for the for the boys like somebody else so in the end uh, my friends I um, uh, Jose Fernandez from Ironhead Studio, he created like the death punk helmets and all of that stuff. He did uh, Will I Am and um, I took. Uh, so we're talking about
0: black eyed peas specifically yeah, here? Correct, wow. Yeah, correct, yeah.
1: So um, so he did uh, he did a costume of Will I Am and I took Fergie. So I created an. Um, uh, there was a light up dress um, that we didn't use in the end, which was a little bit sad. Um, and a shield with um, high power LEDs with Swarovski crystals to cu- cool down the high power LEDs and uh, she was wearing boots with optic fiber so everything was like light up in this really new uh, kind of uh, techy way because optic fiber uh, fabrics were like, yeah, fairly new there. And uh, yeah, so that was a really cool product. Uh, she had the the batteries under her shoulder packs, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the 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 design was very movable, sort of, you know. So that was really unreal to yeah to see them rehearse with it and all of that stuff. So that was uh, that was really funny. Um, then I mean, I liked it. It was a great product. I think it looked uh, it looked it looked cool um, and but the technology didn't do too much except for like just like lighting up and and reacting to them singing sort of you know so Later in uh, life, through uh, also through you guys, through um, uh, Michaela, I got in contact with um, uh, with Victoria Modesta. O- also through Sammy with Open Bionics and uh, some other people, try to get me and Victoria in contact with each other. So it was really funny. A lot of people try to push us together. Victoria is a uh, bionic uh, pop artist. Uh, she's this r- really great um, example model of um, yeah, an, an artist that that uh, uses the notion of uh, like. Uh, yeah, her herself and her body image. Uh, she has an, um, uh, she's missing her leg. She has an amputee uh, leg, so she's using uh, prosthetic legs. Uh, and she's doing a lot in on the notion of like disability to make it uh, like yeah a cool factor sort of. She's a super badass artist. Uh, she creates music. She creates uh, performances. She's an art director of her own kind. So she's really this example model of new people just stepping in, being uh, being badass. Uh, so in in London we did a photo shoot with uh, with uh, Victoria with uh, some other collaborators. Um, I did a photo with her with a leg based on the smoke dress sort of that her that the smoke came out of her leg and um, I created with her a few um, a few legs so the first one was uh, with uh, where uh, Michaela was as well and um, sort of a smoke leg um, we had uh, for her on stage an, a spike leg that was uh, uh, lightening up based on um, uh, EL uh, sheets so it was like the whole spike was lightening up a leg with a uh, moving part inside so we started to use this sort of this void space inside her leg uh, I was really inspired by that to cut out all the in-between and instead of having basically where her bone goes we, we took all uh, out all of the space to, to create space for effect sort of you know so one one of the products um, that, we, that we also did was Sonifica, and that was the one that I want to name out regarding to like a music uh, collaboration I think that we were busy with. Uh, that we were trying to get an accelerometer in the leg. And also uh, she had an, a, a design based on uh, Tusks uh, with a friend of mine, um, Eric Goldenberg from uh, Studio uh, Monad here in Miami. And what we did was for Art Basel, uh, yeah, creating she was creating a performance with it. The notion of like playing these tusks, but also like moving her uh, leg in order to create music. Like for me, that notion, um, other than the Black Eyed piece, just like making music in a design that, that is uh, technological enhanced, this was really embodying the notion of like a musical instrument. So that from the conceptual part is really enticing to me that uh, she could really uh, wear this sort of musical instrument. So in a later project, we um, that came out last year, she was working with Rolls Royce. And she asked me to join, and uh, with a friend of mine, collaborator has really big Tesla coils. They're called Architect Joe de Prima and John de Prima. And uh, what we wanted to do was, in, instead of having these big um, Tesla coils in a space and then like enlightening something, uh, we wanted to create a mini Tesla curl and put it in her uh, in her shoe, and then uh, translate that back to her leg, and in the void space of her leg, having this effect going on. The effect is called a Jacob's ladder, and it's created by uh, when you have like uh, yeah, it was a mini Tesla coil with a spark gap, uh, tracing it back up uh, to the void space in the leg and releasing sort of the, the the energy there. So it was like arcing up and down. So that was an, a, a really cool uh, project uh, that uh, definitely needed like a, a shitload of like custom engineering. Uh, the shoes were with uh, Rem uh, from United Nudes. Uh, so we for them, that was cra- crazy because they were they needed to make these heels with all these electronics in there. So it was just a really, yeah, really fun uh, fun projects and yeah, yeah uh, Victoria art directed the whole um, the whole uh, yeah sort of commercial uh, and it it became a really a really pretty thing altogether sort of you know using using all of these factors together and then her leg being this sort of uh, hero thing with these uh, yeah these arcs going through it. So, yeah, so there's a lot of like, yeah, a lot of lag projects uh, regarding to uh, yeah, using that void space. I, um, uh, Mia Victoria trying to figure out this way of using these electronics with different effects in a really small, tight space in her lag, sort of, you know. So that's different for me because normally I have the body and outwards sure. and now I have the lag and inwards. Wow. So that's that's that was really, uh, yeah, definitely really interesting for me from an engineering uh, point of view. Uh, there's a lot of limitations, like a lot of limitations that we, um, yeah, they, that you have to think of then. Uh, but I think, yeah, sometimes that also makes it, uh, makes it interesting.
0: I have to say, Victoria Modesta is certainly one of the only people on the planet that I've ever met who would be keen to have a Tesla coil in their shoe.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. You guys also, I know that um, I was not there. I, I would have loved to be there with the Music Tech Fest when you had uh, Victoria over. You did all these like crazy experiments together and uh, Yeah. yeah. I was I was following it through uh, through some of the people that were in the on site at that uh, at that point. Yeah, but definitely, like that's that's such yeah, it's such a joy to to work with uh, with people like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you were absolutely missed. I guess the the last thing that uh, that I'm kind of interested in here is the idea of smart fabric. Mm-hmm. Is that something that we're seeing as being kind of the next step in all this? Is that the kind of the conclusion of this story?
1: Definitely, I think like yeah, uh, thinking of uh, yeah different ways, regarding to like um, technology, like less invasive ways, um, yeah, less opening up that space to uh, to both experiment, but also like privacy protection. Um, I think like regarding to like smart materials, um, there are still a lot of things that are holding up that that notion. Um, like four in specific, the first one would be like uh, energizing. How uh, how do we energize our uh, our garments and and fashion techniques? designs science and couture, uh, robotic couture pieces and all of that stuff like we use power banks I used to use lipo batteries a lot but I use like power banks now much more because they're much easier especially like with traveling if it's an art project it's easier to travel with that instead of lipo batteries people are like what the fuck yeah. it's like uh, you're, you're trying to uh, import bombs they're, they're, no, they're never that happy with that uh, talking about fun projects getting them over the border uh, uh, another whole <laughs> thing with a <the> music <laughs> tech fest uh, crew probably um, but yeah one thing is like energizing so the batteries that are made now are made for devices so when is the time that uh, companies and production comes and steps in to create these batteries for uh, on the body right Uh, for in garments because we are ready you know bring it on Uh, but we need partners for that sort of so that is i think one of the things is yeah the the batteries are now created for uh, devices not necessarily for on the body on the body you want to have round form factors in pcb so printed circuit boards uh, in uh casings or whatever it is um like you want round shapes because the body is round and organic sort of you know so um small batteries flat batteries uh, working with solar all of that stuff is i think is interesting
0: mm.
1: um it's not there yet uh from an uh, like sort of cons- consumer point uh, it's it's fairly boxy still you know so um uh, what can you do with that or even like using your own body kinetic energy you know so i think there's a lot uh, that needs to be uh, researched in that Um, the other topic would be washability Um, as we know is technology and electronics do not like uh, the washing machine or water (laughs) it is the uh, the one biggest uh, enemy except uh, yeah except for Sure. Yeah, losing, losing power. Um, uh, so, yeah. So I think a lot of people are like trying to uh, reconnect to that idea of like how to uh, wash electronics. I think a lot of um, washing machine and companies are stepping in to create actually um, like washing machine IDs for electronic fabrics. I think that's really interesting uh, what's happening at the moment. Some of the machines, they are uh, like very much in, in the lab, sort of, you know, in uh, in that state, not, not out there, definitely not. But I know that there's a lot of companies doing that, which I think is really interesting. Uh, so this is the way that the industry is and has been for the last, I think, five years. They really understood like, OK, wearables um, is a thing sort of, you know, um, it's established, uh, like how can we help? how how can we help this this group of people that are doing that and and this other group of people that want to wear this right so yeah the energy the energizing the the uh, the washing and then um the other thing would be like uh, the maintainings uh, like the maintenance of things uh, because I always try to say like if I uh, sell you or I give you or I, I rent you an, a spider dress at this point um, and you want to wear this to a gala or to your dinner or to a fa- valentine's dinner or whatever you want to wear it to tonight and the dress breaks you know, the dress can break because of a multitude of things, because uh, something short circuited. it. Sure. Uh, so, uh, you pulled a wire. There, There's multitude of things that a thing can break, a device can break, uh, Our MacBook can break. You know, you put water over it. So this, this dress is not working. And Andrew, you want to wear it tonight, right? Yep. So
0: <laughs> let's go with that idea, shall we? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, we go with that idea. We, we yep. project it into the, um, it would suit you well. So thank you. Um, I, I, so. I'll try and carry it off for you. <laughs> yeah, so this uh, this dress is not working at that point. So what is going to happen? So um, in the best case, you are a tinkerer, you are a maker, so you fix it yourself, right? So that's, again, why I love the do-it-yourself uh, movement, because we make things, we break things, we fix it. Sort of, that's the, that's the idea there. Um but most of the people uh, might not be engineering most of the people cannot program or whatever that can be you know there's a there 's a big um, portion of of people that might be uh, interested in technology but uh, do not know how to uh, how to work with it so what happens then like is there uh, like do you send the dress back in that case you cannot wear it tonight or is there a place in the city that you can bring it for repairs right Mm -hmm. so uh, with new devices coming that can be a BCI like a brain computer interface that can be a robotic dress that can be uh, like uh, whatever it can be sort of you know uh, things can break and uh, now at this point there's an opportunity and a lamp is breaking you go to the Home Depot or to a store and you get a new replacement lamp you know so uh, what is that case sort of you know or what is there to, to have a backup, for example. I think the, the notion of maintaining is also like, of course, uh, creating really stable products, uh, creating uh, like uh, like that, that leaves no room for error. But um, a lot of things have to do with stretching on the body and, and our movement. So things can be pulled, whether you have an, a MacBook being cased in an, a really rigid case or our telephones or an, um, a Nintendo Switch, you know, mm-hmm. um, an, an, a piece placed on the body, you want to have the, fo- the factor of it being sold and it being flexible and conforming to our body. But that also comes with the price of things needing to be that flexibility as well, you know. So there's a lot of things regarding to, like, new connectors that are being made uh, versus, like, solutions when things uh, do break, sort of... um, uh, that's uh, that's uh, that people are working on as well. So I think like from from all of this like smart textiles, I think uh, they definitely have the future. I love it from also um sort of the awareness uh, kind of view because we have a lot of like uh, maybe cheap shirts now in our closet, and our closets are huge you know and most of our garments we don't even wear there's these special garments especially when we're now more uh like uh, yeah to ourselves you know like we we start to notice we have these special garments you know so why are those special garments not the smart ones or that that know us a little bit or that that know our feelings or emotions of the day and i think that is where um where smart uh, fabrics and smart uh, garments and fashion tech and, and all really comes in that you can create this one piece that really knows you versus these there's other pieces that don't know you that you just have hanging around because you're just one body, yet we have 200 pieces of clothing. I think that's that's an interesting um, thing which also goes a little bit against the fashion industry because of course the fashion industry tells us that I cannot wear this shirt every day um, first of all it would be smelly second of all there's no fashion to that because fashion needs to rotate because it needs to be in and out and that needs to be in and out every half year or every month or every week or every day there needs to be something fashion that's a very old sure. fashion uh, system which, uh, which made us to buy so much clothing because I cannot have every Zoom conversation the same shirt on Or uh, in in this case, in our days, you know, so that's an uh, interesting notion in where fashion tech says, no, this is, uh, like the dress that I'm going to wear for, you know, because I really like it and it really knows me because the more I wear this garment, the more it starts to know me. So that's sometimes an interesting conversation between the technology industry and the fashion industry and where fashion wants you to change this shirt mm-hmm. uh, very fast and, and a lot of times sort of, you know, whether uh, technology fashion uh, sort of have, have more the, the notion of, uh, yeah, being a one piece that 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 has this intellect of being sort of the second skin to you.
0: I think probably it's best if I stay away from wearable fashion technology until we have washable fashion technology. Otherwise, I'll spill something or, you know, wipe, wipe <laughs> against something. But
1: um, I mean, the outside. Yeah, the outside. Yeah. No, but definitely I'm, I'm talking about the negative aspects. It has a lot of positive aspects. There's just also a lot of like a few things that we need to think of and a few things that we need to solve still, you mm. know. And But that's, that's, that's not a negative thing. That's a, a fun thing. That's a fun thing for us all to explore sort of.
0: Yeah. I do like the idea of clothing that gets to know you. That that feels like uh, a way forward. A, a really sort of not something that's about um, frightening people away or about setting off alarms or playing music through speakers on the shoulder, but just that it's more customized mm-hmm. i guess that's kind of an interesting uh, sort of a, a smaller quieter approach to to fashion technology maybe that's the next step yeah yeah fantastic Anuk, thanks so much for your time really enjoyed it
1: yeah sure big big fan big supporter big everything thank so you. you guys are awesome
0: thank you i really appreciate that
1: <laughs> cool bye-bye
0: brilliant thanks and we'll talk soon That's fashion tech designer, developer, Anouk Viprecht. And that's the MTF podcast. You can find Anouk's incredible designs online, watch her TED Talk and check out her projects all from her website, which we're going to link to in the show notes. I'm Andrew Dubber. You can find me at Dubber on Twitter. And Music Tech Fest is at Music Tech Fest on absolutely everything. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it. The MTF podcast's out every Friday, so hit the subscribe button wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And don't forget to share, like, rate and review because it really helps other people to find this. The show was edited by Jake Dubber with music by Guesthouse and Airtone and Rani Dha, a.k.a. Run Dreamer, made the MTF audio logo, which you'll hear in a second. You have a great week, stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. <coughs>